and welcome to KC360's podcast on navigating college admissions. I'm Christy, your host, and during our time together, we'll cover college admission tips and tricks to help your college search be a success. that time of year that's super exciting when a lot of students have their admission letters, their admit letters, and they're waiting for financial aid packets. And I love this time of year because it's just the season where you start to narrow down your options and really narrow down what you are going to do this fall. And so if you're a senior and you are anticipating your financial award letter or your financial aid packet, it's really not a packet. It's kind of just a letter on your student portal. But if you're in that stage, this is a really exciting time. And we're just going to briefly go over how to read those letters and some tips to look out for and things to keep in mind. I'll do a much more integrated and specific webinar on the monthly Navigator series because there's a lot of visuals there and really great videos and helps regarding this. But just some things to note and to look out for when you start to get those letters in because every university handles them differently and so it can be a little confusing but it's exciting and if you've already been admitted to universities congratulations it's a huge deal I mean it's a great step and it should be a huge affirmation for you that you really have worked hard and a lot of people see that because it's not just one university or one person but a whole lot of people see that so congratulations So when you look at your award letters, you need to know first and foremost that every university handles this process differently. And that's for a lot of reasons. Some of it is due to endowments. Some of it is due to trusts and different scholarships and grants that they receive and have purview over. But every university will handle it differently. But there will be some similarities. And the similarities are these, that they will list your grants and awards. And that's free money. It's money that you are going to be awarded and granted from the university. If you are a U.S. citizen or permanent resident, they will list your FAFSA or CSS information. And then they will also list any other aid that they feel like you are eligible for. And so how that pans out and how that's listed out can vary here and there. But the good news is it is basically a fantastic letter that says this is what we feel like we can afford to give you. And so as you read those letters, just keep these things in mind and be on the lookout for these variables because they will um, help you to sort of crunch your numbers in a apples to apples type of scenario. If you are just curious from an apples to apples perspective and need help with that, then check out the MyCap tool that I use and you can use three universities for free and you can sort of compare apples to apples and enter your awards in so that you can actually enter in what you've received and then that'll help you in the whole process. If that's if Excel is not your friend and it is a little confusing, then that's an option where you just basically input the information and it'll give you everything you need. If you need a snapshot of what your collegiate financial picture would look like, check out my financial planning services. This tells you how much you think you can afford, what colleges think you can afford, and what your funding gap would be. See what three universities would cost for free or access an unlimited amount of universities and a $1 billion scholarship database. Links in the show notes. So every uh, financial aid award letter 
has some main parts. And these are the these are the parts to look for. The cost of attendance or the COA. And this is something that universities are required to list the cost for one year. It typically includes the average tuition, fees, room and board, transportation, supplies, and it's usually an estimate, but it's usually spot on. And so if a university lists their COA, you need to know that that's on average what students spend per year. So keep that in mind, and that's why that price is on there. And then your EFC, your estimated family contribution, and that is a result of your FAFSA that you hopefully have filed. And they'll take that information and put in, and that, again, is just the number that the government, based on your taxes, believes that you can contribute towards college. And so this is, you know, how much is expected. It doesn't necessarily mean that's realistic, and a lot of families understand that, um, but it sometimes can be shocking. And if you feel like it's really high and elevated, then you can go back and appeal that process, and feel free to contact me about ways to do that. And then financial need that phrase in this world is the difference between your ability to pay for college and how much it costs to attend. And so that sometimes is called your financial gap. And that's sort of, you know, a number that for a lot of families is what they really look for. Financial need is determined by subtracting your EFC from the COA. And so that's just easy math if that helps you. You may see the words grant or award or gift aid. And this is money that you don't have to pay back. These are grants to you and it's not money that you would have to pay back. There are typically requirements. And so that's when you look at this letter, you really as a student especially need to read the fine print and make sure, you know, is it a four-year award? Is it a one-year award? Is there GPA requirement attached to that? Are there other requirements such as a major or a program that are required? And just make sure that you're comfortable with that because if there's anything that you think you can't maintain, now is the time to determine that. And usually they're very reasonable, the GPAs, the requirements. I mean, if you've applied for, say, an honors program, probably you understand what the requirements are before you receive the award. Your award letter should identify the types of awards you've received and how much. And that's the goal of the letter and the packet, right? It's to sort of tell you what they are granting you in total. If you filled out your FAFSA, then a lot of times financial aid letters will list the work study and student loans. Student loans are ones you have to pay back. Work study is your eligibility to have federal work study, which is a huge benefit because it means that you qualify for federal work study and you could also do on-campus departmental study if there weren't any positions open. But you're sort of, you know, in a double position in a great way because if you have a student that doesn't qualify for federal work study, then their only option on campus is departmental work study. So keep that in mind that that's a great benefit. And it's fantastic to work on campus. When you see that number, though, say it's, you know, $2,000 that will attribute to work study, a lot of times I recommend that families don't really integrate that number into your total tuition cost added so that you know, you've got some pocket money. And if you take that work study money and use it to buy toiletries and different supplies and, you know, go to the movies and get pizza and coffee and that kind of thing, then you really do have some pocket money. Whereas if you don't, you know, attribute that money, work study money to your college costs, then, you know, you will be, you know, asking your parents for a budget basically on a monthly basis. And it's great to work on campus because you don't have to have a car. You don't typically have to have transportation. Some words to look for, we mentioned, you know, grant, aid, scholarship, merit, award, gift, and these are all, again, funds you don't have to pay back. Loans, um, anything related to those you will have to pay back. 
And so as you go through every line, just, you know, make a tick. Is this free money? Is it not? And then really pay attention to how long and multiple years, because there are different ways that universities break down those grants. And so sometimes it can only work out to two semesters or eight semesters, which should be, you know, four years. And so really pay attention to what those grants are and what the time and requirements are. And then go through however it makes the most sense to you and figure out what the total cost is. And students, I would encourage you to do this because um, like Warren Buffett says, don't invest in what you don't understand. And college is a huge investment. And if you don't understand it, then that's problematic. And this is, you know, basic math. It's not pre-calculus and it's not geometry. So take some time to, you know, go through your letters and then your parents can go through them with you as well. But talk about, you know, what is our gap and what can you contribute and, um, you know, what, what is our plan so that you have a better idea. Once you've calculated the COA and subtracted your grants and the FAFSA and, the, and your Pell and all of that, then look at the gap and figure out, you know, can I apply for a few other scholarships? Is there something else that I can do? Is there an internship over the summer that I can work in or can I work over the summer between my senior year and college to you know make up $2,000? These are all really good questions to ask. Um, and then your scholarship terms, you know, ask about those if you have any questions. If you have not talked to professors at this chance, go back and listen to Engaging with Professors 1 and 2. But um, talk to them about upperclassmen scholarships. If you have a relatively small gap, and I would say between 5,000 or under, then talk to them about what upperclassmen scholarships look like and your eligibility for them in that particular major. Because if, you know, say there's a $3,000 scholarship, upperclassmen that you could apply for and most likely get, then, you know, that's something that you can look at if your gap is 4,000, because then in your upperclassmen years, the gap would be significantly less. And another option, if you're super gregarious and responsible, would be to look at becoming a resident assistant in years two, three, and four, because that takes away a good amount of your room and board costs typically, and um, can be a great way just to make money and reduce your costs. If you are an athlete and you're looking at those particular scholarships, then really pay attention to your scholarship if um, it would be voided if you were injured. And again, you know, this is the time to look at the fine print because if it's that stringent, then you need to know if you got injured what your financial position will be. And if you're looking at a college based on the team alone, I would really encourage you to sort of sit back and look at the college itself. If you were injured, would you still be happy there? If the team wasn't a part of the university experience for you, is that something you would still want? If you have sections on loans, then you will need to accept or decline those. And so just know that there is a response needed for that. And then the next step for you is to accept or decline the, the whole package. You know, decline other school offers, accept one of them, and then complete the paperwork. And typically that looks like your um, admission deposit, and that basically secures your seat. And then you get information on orientation and roommates and all the fun things that come with this whole process that's fantastic. Most universities give you a good amount of time to decide, and May 1 in North America is typically National Decision Day for colleges. So know that you have time. If you have, you know, a few thousand dollars that are really in between the schools and you can't decide, go back and have discussions again with the professors. Talk to them about different things so that you have a better idea because monetary decisions really are responsible and good to make. 
that means you have good financial acumen. However, your experience is a huge part of it as well. And so understand the decision you're making and the professors that you'll be connecting with and who will be stewarding you while you're in college. So hopefully this helps in how to read your financial letters and some tips on just looking at that information. Always look forward to hearing from you with what questions you have. 